0: Hello, this is Dr. Nasir Gami, and you're listening to the Gami Psychiatry Podcast Scientific, Humanistic, and Not the Conventional Wisdom. Hello, this is Dr. Nasir Gami, and welcome back to the Gami Psychiatry Podcast. Today, we're going to have our first interview uh, with. Um, a father of a former American National Football League player who may have chronic traumatic encephalopathy, encephalopathy, CTE, uh, which uh, I have proposed should be treated with low-dose lithium. So in this uh, podcast today, I'm going to tell you about CTE, about the idea of using lithium, and then introduce you uh, that way to the interview itself. CTE or chronic traumatic encephalopathy is a condition that was uh, identified by Dr. Bennett Amalu some years ago and an American football player, Mike Webster for the Pittsburgh Steelers um, and on autopsy. Uh, Webster had committed suicide. And and what happens with CTE in terms of clinical symptoms is that people have depressive uh, symptoms, anger, irritability, impulsivity, uh, suicidality. They can have physical symptoms like severe headaches, uh, and migraines. And then eventually they will develop early dementia. They do this in their forties, fifties, sixties, which is uh, decades earlier than usually seen in Alzheimer's disease. When you look at the brain at autopsy, there's autopsy that there is cerebral atrophy, which means neurons are dead. And there's a high amount of tau protein, TAU, which is highly abnormal uh, in the way you see it in CTE. And that's the big difference between CTE and Alzheimer's disease where you have other abnormalities in the brain, specifically uh, amyloid plaques, neurofibrillary tangles. Uh, you do not see that in CTE. CTE happens with concussions and subconcussive impacts. It happens in athletes like football players who get hit on the head, hockey players, soccer players can get it with headers and with head injuries. Uh, but it also happens in, um, in other professions where head impacts happen, and specifically in soldiers uh, in recent years where you get subconcussive impacts when you're in a war zone from shelling, from artillery, from bombs. Um, so CTE is a serious problem and uh, there's been a lot of controversy about it in the last few years in the United States in relation to American football. Um, some statistics of the frequency of it based on autopsy reports have it being present in the majority of American football players, meaning over 90% by autopsy. Uh, This has been debated about whether there's selection bias and how much it really happens in the general population of football players. Um, It's generally been thought that it doesn't start until middle age, but recently there was the case, uh, there are cases of American football players who commit suicide or homicide Uh, or are otherwise apparently having um, market uh, psychiatric problems uh, who on autopsy are found to have CTE. This happened recently with uh, the former uh, Denver Broncos wide receiver Demarius Thomas, uh, who committed suicide. Uh, And a few months ago, there was another case of a football player who committed suicide and homicide, who uh, on autopsy was, was felt to have CTE. It's a diagnosis that's technically only made on autopsy by pathology. Uh, So when people are having the symptoms during their lives, the confusion that can come up is whether the psychiatric symptoms are due to CTE or whether the person has bipolar illness or some other psychiatric condition. Essentially, the symptoms are depression and manic-like impulsivity and aggression. Uh, And of course, suicidality is a very severe depressive symptom. So um, the the differential diagnosis question is, is it CTE or is it a psychiatric illness separate from CTE? Of course, it could be both. Someone might have some psychiatric uh, symptoms that would get much worse if they develop CTE. Um, Now, lithium is an interesting treatment that I've suggested because it's been proven effective, obviously, for depression and bipolar illness. And most importantly, because it's the only drug proven to prevent suicide. It's the only drug proven to prevent suicide. And therefore I, and it's been shown to do so importantly at low doses or very low doses according to some studies. So I propose that we should consider giving low doses of lithium to athletes who develop signs of CTE and potentially even preventively uh, to a lot of athletes. And um, I published this in a scientific article I tried to get research funding for it in various ways, private foundations, National Institute of Health. Um, I even went to Boston University, which is the place where most of the research, the most amount of research gets done on CTE. uh, And I failed to um, get any funding with some grant applications I submitted or to convince others to submit grant applications to get funding for it. I've also communicated with people in the CTE community, such as advocates for athletes, and talked to them about it um, and did not get very far. Uh, there's always an expression of interest but nothing much happens. I talked to Dr. Benedict Malu, who first discovered CTE and he was very supportive of the idea and uh, helped me the most actually in trying to treat a few patients. And I hoped to be able to publish the results of those treatments eventually but uh, have not treated enough people to be able to do so. So this hypothesis really has not been tested. The idea that low dose lithium will prevent uh, or help CTE because it's proven to prevent suicide and proven to improve the kinds of mood symptoms you see in CTE. But there's one more thing that's really important here, and that's the dementia that happens with CTE. By middle age and later age, patients with CTE do develop dementia. They have cognitive impairment for quite a while, meaning they have trouble with short-term memory, executive functioning, but then over time it becomes more severe memory problems. Um, And lithium, there is some research that lithium may prevent dementia. Low dose lithium has been shown in one study to prevent uh, progression of Alzheimer's dementia, uh, mild Alzheimer's dementia. and average dose of lithium in a number of studies have been found to be associated with much lower rates of dementia in psychiatric illnesses in which lithium was used compared to the same illnesses where lithium was not used. Uh, there are a few other randomized trials that have been done. Uh, so we are getting the beginnings of um, evidence that can be convincing that lithium may indeed have a benefit in preventing general dementia. This would be Alzheimer's dementia, vascular dementia is another kind of dementia. And that raises the question whether it can prevent dementia in CTE. Even if it doesn't, it would have huge benefits for prevention of suicide and for improvement of the mood symptoms. But I think there's reason to think it also could help prevent the dementia. And then when you look at the mechanism of CTE, which is this abnormally high amount of tau protein, lithium specifically has been shown to have an anti-tau effect. In other words, it prevents the accumulation of the tau protein. That's a well-known mechanism of lithium. So it would make sense that it would have uh, potentially the most specific benefit in CTE compared to other forms of dementia or other illnesses. Uh, At low doses, it would have very few side effects, very few harms. Um, And one of the the relative advantages of CTE patients is that they tend to be younger. uh, They're in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and therefore they would also tolerate lithium much better than the traditional dementia patients with Alzheimer's disease who are uh, much older. So that's the idea. That's the introduction to this idea about using low-dose lithium for CTE. And that's the introduction to the general issue of CTE. And now I would like to um, transition to ask you to listen to my interview uh, that I made with um, uh, a person who would understand this problem from the inside. We tend to, I've been describing it more clinically from the outside. But Jim Scarborough uh, is a person who is experiencing the effects of CTE in his own family. And so I'll pass it on to the next section of this podcast episode and to my interview with Jim. Thanks for listening. Okay, well, I want to welcome uh, my guest today to talk about uh, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, CTE and how it can affect athletes and the idea of using low dose lithium potentially as a treatment that can potentially treat it or improve it Uh, an idea that i had put out in an article based on lithium's proven benefits as a neuroprotective drug that means that it keeps neurons alive longer and so um We have been discussing this some in terms of dementia, like Alzheimer's disease, Um, but with um, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, CTE, uh, which happens after concussions, often with athletes, but also other scenarios like soldiers, uh, patients develop uh, mood uh, swings uh, and suicidality. Um, But then as it progresses, they can develop full-blown dementia. They get kind of an Alzheimer's-like dementia At a much earlier age than it naturally happens instead of the 70s and 80s it happens in these people in their 40s 50s 60s so something that i've i've written a little about and i've been interacting online with people involved with trying to do something about cte uh, and um, concussions Um, but my experience has been that i haven't been able to get very far at least in the mainstream world of people working in CTE with this idea of, of potentially looking at lithium as a treatment to explore. So um, in the course of, 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 of this process, I uh, heard from uh, Jim Scarborough, who's with us now, uh, who had heard about my uh, paper on lithium, my idea about lithium, and uh, has had his own experience uh, with his son uh, and has been thinking about these issues as a family member. So Jim's with us here, uh, and we're going to have a little conversation about these. this question of, of CTE and potentially whether lithium can be helpful for it. So Jim, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So Jim, why don't you tell the audience a little about you know, your experience? Um, you know, on uh, with CTE and, and with this whole question about uh, lithium as well. Um, and I'll try to keep it down. I'm kind of known as a, a
1: long talker, and I'll, I'll keep it down so we get right. everybody's attention. Uh, uh, I had a conversation with a friend of mine who happens to be a prominent uh, uh, psychiatrist here in Houston, Dr. Karen Brown, uh, who also knows my son. And uh, uh, we were talking about it, and she, she mentioned that she there was an article in the medical journal about uh, lithium and CTE, and uh, she sent me that article, and that was that article was your article. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, that, it's kind of weird how that happened, just out of an out of a conversation, and then so much energy came about from that. Uh, but um, uh, my son uh, played uh, 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 four years uh, NCAA uh, starter, uh, special teams wide receiver. Starting wide receiver, and then went on and played a little pro football too, uh, and took a lot of hits along uh, high school, college. Uh, you know, those are some of the days he's he, where we cherished cherished big hitting. You know, that was the big deal: hit harder. Uh, so, consequently, uh, I started research, and I found out that uh, um, uh, CTE was only being able to be diagnosed through uh, autopsy. And uh, there really wasn't anything much out there uh, being spent or whatever being done about it. Ninety-eight uh, percent, so we so forth of NFL players uh, were uh, being uh, CTE autopsied. When, what I really found amazing was ninety percent, over ninety percent of uh, four-year NCAA players. Uh, of course, that's a younger group, you know, that that uh, is, is doing it. So that's really what got the attention because. Uh, uh my son uh, also um, had been diagnosed with a uh, uh, neurobiological uh, lo- illness uh, which is very similar uh, to the symptoms of CTE and um, of uh, mood swings and uh, other other uh, uh, items like that so when i got your article i kept reading and reading and reading and the first particularly the first one with the uh, the success of lithium in, in, in uh, rodents, uh, how it w- was able to stop this development, and, and stop me if I'm, I'm not trying to be a doctor here. No, so. it's fine, go ahead. But they stopped this uh, protein uh, uh, in, in rodents who, who were, I guess created, y'all, y'all created CTE, brain injuries with them, and actually sh- stopped the development of that tau protein. Mm-hmm. And in also showed rejuvenation of brain cells. Um, and that was very encouraging uh, for me because uh, 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 he later started taking lithium carbonate, uh, which for the, for the listeners, I mean, I don't know how that technical that gets, but that's a, uh, that's a, pretty, that's a mineral that's used uh, for treatments of, uh, of uh, amazing treatments in, in medicine. Um, and then further, we went further down the road and that um, I found out that we start, I started talking to a lot of his friends and other friends who were players and they're all concerned about CTE. They're concerned they're in their 40s, they've got families. Some of them are even older than that, um, but even everyone that I've talked to has expressed concern. And a lot of them are probably gonna be listening to this because um, where I really got excited was when you um, uh, sent me the email about where it got, to where um, uh, lithium orotate, which is a low dose amount of lithium, you believe, and based on medical science, medical research and other doctors, you're not the only one out there. Uh, There's many others, uh, uh, but they haven't expressed it quite like you've expressed it. and and that got me very interested because that could be a way that uh, that people who aren't eligible or don't need to take lithium carbonate could possibly take lithium orotate, which is bought at health food stores. And quite frankly, honestly, uh, to uh, I started taking lithium orotate uh, because I saw the benefits uh, potential benefits, even future dementia. I'm seventy some years old. You right. think about that sort of thing. Uh, you know, and it is certainly I've seen some positive effects myself as far as mood levels are, are concerned. So that's kind of how I I got to where I was, and um, uh, and then I finally figured out that you know the reason that probably this hasn't progressed. And I know you won't say it, and you might not. You know, there, there's not any money in in pharmacy for, um, and I don't want to knock. From, Big pharma here, that's not the idea. Mm-hmm. But lithium orate and lithium carbonate is extremely inexpensive. Right. Because it's, it's an element that, that it exists, a necessary element that exists in the world today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, that pushed me even further because since I'm a businessman, I know that profit is a big part of whatever comes about. And there's not gonna ever be any profit uh, for pharmacy out of this. Now, I would like to throw in something really good uh, that you may or may not be aware of. There are m- very few companies that I know of pharmacy companies working on this matter of CTE. Mm-hmm. There is one company out of Chicago. I don't know if you know about them. It's called, uh, Sarah, Mark, Sarah, Mark, uh, pharma, which has got a patent pending, um, <clears throat> that will, once a concussion has occurred, they'll have a nasal spray, uh, that once it goes through human trials, will stop that progression. So there's there's hope for the future right there of people that that deal. You know, I'm concerned now with the thousands, thousands of people that uh, through either combat, uh, got their heads banged around, and
0: uh, that's kind of where I am here today. <laughs> well, yeah, and I think that's a good, that last point is a good one, to combat veterans. A lot of people don't realize that, um, these soldiers that are going out to the Middle East, and then they have these um, bomb explosions that happen around them. And these produce subconcussive impacts; they're very severe. And um, you know, the soldier might actually come out without any visible wound. They might not even have a full-blown concussion, uh, but then they later develop CTE-like symptoms. Um, and often, uh, my experience with, with the few patients I've seen with CTE is that they often have headaches. Headaches is a big part of it. Headaches along with the mood swings and the suicidality and the anxiety and the poor memory. Uh, but it often starts with headaches and the headaches can get uh, worse. So you see this in soldiers, these veterans. And, and we all know, I think there's a lot of lip service that's paid veterans in this country. And Congress will automatically increase the Veterans Administration budgets. Uh, but then you know, what's done with that money often is not very effective. Um, so this is an issue for athletes, and then it's an issue for soldiers, for veterans. Uh, those are the two big groups. Right. Um, now, let me ask you, uh, tell us a little bit more about the kinds of symptoms and diagnoses your son has had, just to, to give people an idea of how these cases kind of, uh, a typical case of this, and then uh, and then um, what his reaction to that was, how he's reacted to the um to the medical evaluation, see if that's so far. Uh,
1: up until recently, he has not been very receptive to the di- diagnosis um, of, uh, uh, and then and until he was exposed to the knowledge about CTE, and he 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 knows about his life, and it's caused him some problems in his life. He's a wonderful, a, a wonderful human being, and but it has caused him some problems, and uh, particularly the mood swings. Um, and the uh, uh, not so much the memory, but uh, uh, but that's primarily the mood swings uh, that, that come along with it and uh, a little bit of depression and a little bit of the mania that might come along with it. Um, and uh, that's the main part that we've seen, and that was uh, um, uh, but that was what as a parent, that's what got me so interested in all, all of okay. this because, uh, the the other people that we've talked to have those things, but they have other things too. The memory, the memory part. Right. Uh,
0: he hasn't he hasn't shown any of that at this point. He hasn't had any memory problems so far. No. And um, he, does he have any like attentional problems, like trouble with focusing?
1: Yes. Yes. Is and, That worse
0: uh, uh, in recent times than in the past, or is that always been?
1: you know it's it's probably been a little bit worse but i mean he's a he's an a personality guy to start with okay and,
0: and um, uh, um so he's kind of a hyper by a personality you mean he's a little hyper very energetic very active very energetic um
1: um and and has you know of course obviously with the the carbonate deal he's kind of slowed down a little bit yeah. but
0: Sometimes that can reflect, um, what we sometimes call hyperthymia, which is where people have manic traits as part of their personality all the time. And by manic, I mean, they're just highly energetic and active. They're, they're more, um, they're more, um, up than most people, um, in their energy level, but also sometimes in their moods. It's a positive thing. It's, it's very common for instance, among entrepreneurs, successful people, creative people. Um, but, uh, so he hasn't had any headaches or anything, right?
1: He has expressed headaches over the years. Some headaches,
0: okay. Yeah. So that's a pretty, t- and what, what's his age uh, more or less? Um, about 45. Okay, so mid 40. So just for a, a kind of a, to, to comment on this a little bit, you'll have somebody say who's been playing a sport, usually from childhood. So they're starting at five, 10, you know, maybe 15 at the latest. Then let's just take 10 as an average age they play through college, that takes you into your 20s, that's like 10 years of playing. If they become a professional, they're playing maybe another five or 10 years at least. So that's 20 years of sports exposure, um, potentially to, to head injuries or head con- or concussions or subconcussive impacts. And so then they're um, leaving their sporting years behind or, or retiring from it if they're a professional, usually in their 30s. And then typically these symptoms start in their 40s and then they get worse in their into their 50s. And um, when they're really severe, they can be really bad in their 50s and 60s. Um, and sometimes, you know, people will have more or less a full lifespan, so it goes into their 70s uh, or into their 80s. You'll you notice these days, some of the stars from my childhood, the guys who were famous in the 1970s in football are, are uh, who are still alive are passing away now in their 70s and 80s. And often they do have, have dementia. Uh, of course, it could happen naturally as well, but it, it can be a lot worse um, with this extra uh, effect. Um, but you also do see it as early as people's 30s. I, I'm sure you paid attention to the, the news this past week about the, the, the NFL wide receiver, Demarius Thomas, who used to play for the Denver Broncos, who died, I think, at 32. So he was around his early 30s uh, last year and they did an autopsy of his brain and he had uh, level two CTE, there's four levels. So he was in kind of a, the moderate range. And his family reported that he had been starting to have mood swings uh, as well as some anger, aggression. Again, those are manic symptoms. Mood swings means really that you're going high in your mood, high not in the happy way, usually high in an irritable dysphoric way we say. Uh, it's an angry uh, manic type state basically you can be aggressive Uh, And depression, because you come down from that up mood, and then anxiety, he had all those symptoms. And he also began to have seizures. Uh, Seizures also happen with CTE because CTE is basically you think think of it as scars in the brain. And when you have a scar in the brain, that becomes a focus for seizures and that happens with traumatic brain injury in general. Um, So he had the clinical signs of something like CTE and then they did the autopsy and confirmed it. Now this is a diagnosis you can only definitively make um, on autopsy because you have to have the brain pathology officially. People are working on um, neuroimaging, PET scans, to see if there's a way to make the diagnosis more or less definitively uh, in real life. It's made by when you look at the, um, the cells in the brain, those tau proteins you mentioned are highly prevalent. They're all over, they shouldn't be there. And usually the brain is shrunk a little bit, or is shrinking, because, which is the cell death that happens. So it's happening in people's 30s, in people like him. Uh, but more typically, it happens in middle age, 40s, 50s, 60s. So in, in the case of, of your son, it, and it's typical, it starts with the mood symptoms. The first thing that happens is depression, anxiety, and mood swings. And a lot of times, people attribute it to life stresses the most common of which is, well, you just retired from playing a sport and and you're a young man and you don't know what to do with yourself. You know, you have a lot of, it it happens in people who retire at age 65 as well. As soon as you retire, yeah, people feel different and people attribute um, psychological symptoms to that. Or maybe other things that might be happening in their life, for instance, marital problems. Uh, Often the, you know, the, the effect gets called the cause. You know, the person is developing the CTE which makes them more impulsive and aggressive, which causes marital problems. But then people blame the, marital, the marriage for the, the symptoms um, or other problems in life. Um, and then after five or 10 years of that, that's when the cognitive symptoms start to happen more. Uh, it's you know, mood symptoms in your 40s, cognitive symptoms in your 50s. You start having really subtle, perhaps initially, symptoms, which can be lack of attention, poor attention, poor executive functioning, we call it which is that somebody is just less organized or more disorganized. The kind of thing you see in children that get diagnosed with attention deficit disorder, so-called ADD. So you get this executive functioning impairment and then short-term memory impairment. They start forgetting things more in the short-term, like where did I leave my keys or what was I supposed to get at the grocery store? They don't forget long-term memory. They don't forget what team they played for or where they grew up. It's not like that kind of severe uh, later stage dementia, but that happens in the later stages. Um, and lithium, the, the nice thing about lithium is it not only is effective for the cognitive symptoms, as I mentioned, because of neuroprotection, it might be effective for that. And that, that's still not definitively proven, though there are some studies that support that. It's clearly effective for the mood swings, the depression, and it's the only drug that's been shown to prevent suicide, which is, I think, a huge argument in its favor. Because uh, we've all seen in the news, numerous uh, often celebrity athletes, well known athletes who've committed suicide, uh, who've later been fined to have CTE, uh, or, you know, suicide is a reflection of violence against oneself. The other thing that can happen is violence against others. So you've, we've seen this also in, in some cases, uh, where some where uh, there was the case of the, the, the football player in South Carolina who killed his doctor and then killed himself. Uh, in the last year or two. So uh, that's something that lithium has been shown to prevent. Lithium has been shown to prevent suicide for sure. Uh, There's even studies uh, of lithium, low-level lithium in the drinking water in various places, including Texas, that have shown that it it cuts in half the homicide rate as well as the suicide rate. Uh, So it it seems to have a general anti-aggression effect uh, that no other drug has been proven to have in randomized trials. Um, That's the point I want to emphasize that lithium has done that. Uh, So that's part of the reason I thought it was, even if we, you know, at this point, without having any real proof yet, because no one's done a randomized trial of lithium and CTE, uh, we, I think it's reasonable when you're dealing with, you know, kind of like with the COVID uh, pandemic, you have to make decisions when there's an emergency, even if you don't have definitive data, Mm -hmm. while you also do the research to get the data. And, uh, you know, this is an emergency for you, it's an emergency for anyone who be starting to have CTE because they need to get it taken care of sooner, as soon as possible. And that's why I wanted to get the the concept of lithium out there. So uh, uh, Jim, um, I understand that your son actually has started lithium for his CTE uh, diagnosis. Is that right? Uh, well, I, I think it, to to properly, deal, he's
1: taken the uh, lithium for uh, what they were able to officially diagnose because they can't officially diagnose CTE at this right. point uh, was a, um, a, a neurobiological uh, illness. And, uh, um, and and he's taking that for that and it's showing good, good results. And the byproduct of that is uh, if everything we believe about CTE or the medical provision believe about CTE and lithium, he's getting the benefit of that treatment for CTE and the other at the same time. Uh, And how long has he been on it? Well, he's probably now it's just been uh, uh, seriously about a month. Okay, and And what's the dose? I think right now he's at 450. 450 uh, milligrams.
0: And just just to kind of um, put that in context for listeners, typical dose of lithium for bipolar illness, full-blown bipolar is 900 milligrams a day. So he's on about half the average dose. Uh, which would be considered a low dose, but not a super low dose. So, uh, the range of lithium that we prescribe is, you know, they come in 300 milligram pills. So you could give 300 a day if you give one pill. 450, 600 is, a, is, is, is two, two pills a day or so. And then three pills a day is 900, which gives you a blood level of about 0.8, which is considered, quote unquote, therapeutic. But that's therapeutic for somebody with full-blown mania, with bipolar illness, type 1, we call it. With people who have a lower level manic symptoms or uh, milder versions of bipolar illness, or I like to use the phrase on the manic depressive spectrum, they're on the milder end, um, even hyperthymia, that, that temperament that I mentioned where someone can have mild manic traits all the time as part of their personality, there is some evidence that low doses of lithium can work more in the 300 to 600 milligram range, which is what he's on. And that has the benefit, of course, of less side effects short-term, as well as long-term. In terms of risks with lithium, we know that it can affect thyroid hormone to make it less functional. Well, that's treatable and reversible because you can just give thyroid hormone as a treatment, assuming that a person doesn't have an underlying thyroid disease. Uh, The second major effect is on the kidney. Everyone knows about that. It can have long-term chronic kidney impairment. But that only happens in one to 5% of people with 20 years of treatment on average, one to 5% with 20 years of treatment on average. And that's at full doses, 900 milligrams a day on average. If it's given at half that dose, then you can cut the risk at least in half, probably less. Uh, and if you use very low dose lithium, which would mean less than 300 milligrams a day, you know the risk is really probably quite minimal. Uh, and you mentioned lithium orotate, which is over the counter. If you take you know, one of those pills, which is five milligrams of elemental lithium, that's equivalent to about 25 milligrams of lithium carbonate, or about you know, 1 20th of the dose he's getting right now. And that kind of dosing is not known to really have any unknown harm. But if it does have some, you can just statistically examine it as to being a fraction of 1% with 20 years of treatment potentially in terms of the kidney, which is, which is quite small. Um, and I just wanna mention that the um, lithium in the drinking water studies where they found benefits of high levels of lithium in the water is equivalent, high level lithium in the diet is equivalent to about one or two milligrams of elemental lithium, which is like taking one of these over-the-counter lithium tape pills, which is still you know 100 times less than the prescribed doses of lithium that we give. So 450 milligrams of lithium, to summarize it, is a good amount of lithium. It's a lot of lithium. It's okay. It's, it's not too low, uh, though a lot of doctors imagine that if you give anything less than 900, it's, it's low. It's not going to do anything. Actually, that's not true. Lithium, I always like to say there's no minimum effective dose of lithium. You just give it to as low of a dose as helps someone. And so 450 might be, might be helpful. Um, it's been only a month. Um, so obviously you'll need, you know, months, uh, at least a year or two or three, ideally to kind of see if this starts reversing the course and helping things more. Uh, but you're saying already, he's noticing a little benefit, at least in terms of his mood.
1: Yes, but very definitely. But let me interject. He was at 900. Okay. And then recently, uh, one of his doctors, uh, dropped it down to 450. And he, I don't, I don't, I don't know if he's had any uh, blood tests.
0: Yes. Yeah. So they went to 900 automatically, which is what doctors tend to do. Right. But uh, I, I would have started him at 300 and waited a few weeks, maybe gone to 450, waited a few weeks, maybe gone to 600, waited a few weeks and stopped anywhere. He started getting better. So if he started feeling better at 300, I would have just left him at that. But if he's feeling good at 450, that's good. That's fine. Uh, you can always go up if you need to um, and you might not need to. The a question I have for you,
1: which I, you've kind of answered it in an email before, is uh, when, we, when, we, when we start talking about this really low dose mm-hmm. uh, and related to the CTE, because do you see a benefit of very low doses? Low doses, lithium orotate, uh, uh, somebody who's played football for 10, 15 years, Uh, do you see this as a possible uh, supplement that they could take right now, considering there's not anything else uh, that you, you definitively believe that that would be a benefit to them?
0: I, I wouldn't say definitively, but if, if someone were to say to me, look, I've been playing football, soccer, hockey for 10, 15 years, and I don't have CTE yet, but I'm worried about it. Should I take, Uh, lithium orotate over-the-counter five milligrams elemental lithium once a day uh, or not, I would say, well, there's a lot of potential benefit, not proven, but potential, and there's evidence for lithium's neuroprotective effects at that dose. And there's no known harm at that dose. So yeah, I would recommend it. But it's not because that's definitive that I know that it works, but I think uh, the likelihood that it helps as opposed to harming at that dose is more likely than not, in my opinion. Um, and again, there's no real negative. And certainly if somebody has CTE symptoms, I would definitely recommend it. Um, at the very least, you know, I, th- I think it would be better if somebody has CT symptoms to take pharmacological doses of lithium in the 300 to 600 milligram range. That's what I think will help the most. That's my opinion. And We'll have to see if- uh, future research proves me right. Um, I think that's the right dose. I think I don't think you need more, and I think less might not work well enough once you have developed it already. But I think if people were to be taking um, very low dose lithium orotate uh, from the very beginning of a, a career that involves this kind of risk, like in their twenties, I think it might it might make it uh, less likely to happen to begin with. But again we don't know that and one of the things you and i emailed each other about well you emailed me first just to say that that you had uh, heard about this idea and that you had personal experience with it with your son and you wondered you know what what i had been doing with it or whether the field was doing anything on it and i emailed you back to say you know it's probably been about 10 years or so since i published that article close to 10 years and the, the reason i put it out there was because no one was talking about it and i have met with uh, various researchers in the field as well as activists cte activists who always express interest in the idea when i bring it up but who never really follow up with it Uh, i the one person that actually followed up the most with me was Bennett omalu the founder of the whole idea of cte dr omalu um, who's now in california uh, used to be at pittsburgh and he um, and i tried to round up a few uh, patients that I could consult on and treat and treat just to develop our own clinical experience and see and publish that potentially and I saw one or two um, NFL players but didn't end up getting much more in terms of um, referrals or interest and didn't really follow up on it so it's been hard um, as a clinician and and I don't see as many patients as I used to so I can't like see a ton of patients and, and just give it to some of them on my own, which is something I used to do with other research ideas I had. Uh, I, I can't do that now, um, so I haven't found, um, I haven't been able to, to generate clinical data myself, and the research world is not really uh, pursuing it. <clears throat> so I think at this point all we can do is, is try it out in specific cases like your, your son and uh, over time, if there's enough cases, um, maybe uh, there'll, be a, there'll be enough experience that people will publish a little on it and then potentially get some kind of research funding to do a, a real randomized trial, which would probably not be easy. You know, you have to probably treat 100 people or more, probably for a year or two or, or more. And that's going to take some time and some money to do. And, and uh, people would have to be organized around doing it. And it hasn't happened so far. But it could. And um, you know, that you mentioned the pharmaceutical industry. It's true. they've been um, the pharmaceutical industry is never doing anything with lithium because it's a generic drug. I worked inside the pharmaceutical industry for four years, and I tried to convince the company that I worked for to do research on lithium and CTE. And of course, it was not automatic and no-go. Um, because of the the patent. Uh, One alternative is to look at lithium's mechanisms and to try to create a drug that does what lithium does, and then to use that, because you could patent it, you could do research on that for something like CTE. And there are drugs that do what lithium does that are not available on the market. uh, The mechanism of lithium has to do with second messengers. These are proteins inside the neurons, which pass messages from the synapse, where the neurotransmitters affect the receptors, to the nucleus, where the genes are. The the first message is the neurotransmitter drugs like dopamine, serotonin. That's what everybody hears about. The second messenger is the G protein and these proteins inside the neuron. Lithium is very different than most drugs, which affect the synapse. They affect the serotonin, norepinephrine, dopamine. Lithium doesn't affect those. It goes straight inside the cell and it Affects the proteins inside the cell to change their messages to the nucleus, which changes what the genes produce, which changes what the neuron does. That's how it protects the neuron in a way, keeps it alive, makes it grow. So you can actually go inside the neuron and do those things directly. You can affect those second messengers uh, with new drugs that are not lithium. And pharmaceutical companies have actually developed drugs like that. They originally developed for things like cancer because they have other effects. But they've never been studied in bipolar or in CTE or any of, the, of these other indications where lithium's proven effective. So I tried to get our company interested in doing that with those those mechanisms with those drugs that they already have. But um, the resistance to it was not um, a financial one, because those drugs are patented, you could make a profit on them. But the resistance has, is, is partly also because it's a complicated. These are complicated drugs. Uh, these proteins are in every cell in the body. And so these drugs affect the whole body, not just the brain. And they, that, therefore, they produce a lot of side effects. And the companies are wary to produce drugs with a lot of side effects because they know people won't take the drugs if they have a lot of side effects. And also, of course, they can get a lot of negative publicity if drugs harm people. Uh, so what we see these days is that the pharmaceutical industry, and this is a different topic, but that's just one, big, one quick comment on it. Pharmaceutical industry is very conservative. They only produce drugs that are safe, not necessarily drugs that are effective. And if lithium was produced today, it would never come to the market because it has far too many side effects for any company to, to market it, even though it's a highly effective drug for so many things. So I, I think that's some of the problem we have with developing new lithium-like drugs or with even studying lithium itself in conditions like this although um, there are a few companies that have tried to study lithium, that have tried to patent variations on lithium. Um, And I think that uh, so far, nobody's really picked up on the CTE idea, but I think a smart company would, and it might take them somewhere. Um, Academia, if we shift from the pharmaceutical industry to the academia world, the universities, where I am, where I've been for 25 years, You know, a lot of the research on CTE is done at Boston University, uh, here in Boston, where I am. Um, They have a huge amount of National Institute of Mental Health funding. Um, They're the ones that do all the autopsies. I've interacted with them. Um, And then there are other universities that are doing research on CTE. They're not pursuing the lithium idea either. And uh, there's no financial motivation there because they're not doing it for profit, there's no profit relevant there. They're just not doing it. I'm not really sure why, but uh, you know, Jim, I've been in psychiatry for 25 years uh, and I've been trying to teach people to use lithium more and more in the last 10 years. The lithium came to the market in the US in 1970. So it's been over half a century. It was first developed in the 1950s and 60s. So this is a very old drug and people have a bias against anything that's old. They think the new things are good and the old things are not as good. And in fact, in psychiatry, it's the reverse: that our most effective drugs are our oldest drugs, drugs like lithium. And the newer drugs, for the partly for the reason I just gave, the newer drugs are safer because they're developed to be to have fewer side effects by the pharmaceutical companies. But they're not more effective. In fact, often they're less effective. Uh, And so, you know, people get marketed about the new drugs. You know, you watch TV, you see all the commercials, patients see the commercials, doctors see the commercials. They use the new drugs, the new drugs make billions of dollars a year on average uh, for profit. And there's a lot of marketing that happens. And that's why people use them. Lithium uh, is not marketed by anybody. And the doctors have just stopped using it. You know, only 15 percent, one 15 percent of patients who have bipolar illness get lithium. And this is the illness for which the drug was developed. And everybody admits it's highly effective. But 85 percent of people who have that illness don't get lithium. So if you're not going to get it to 85 percent of people with bipolar, you're not going to be giving it to people with CTE or anything else. And so there's this um, in the academic world, in the universities, they're not studying. It. They're not looking at it because they're not thinking about it partly because it's old and they just have forgotten about it Um, or they have a bit of a bias against old things. But maybe a podcast like this will start changing a few minds. And you, you emailed me to try to work together to try to see if we can reach out to the world of CTE and get people there interested in talking about lithium, studying it more, using it clinically. And maybe that will generate a virtuous cycle where people will do more and more. So maybe before we end, Jim, let me ask you. You mentioned to me earlier uh, about your experience with athletes uh, who have CTE, or, or at least are at risk for CTE, and how uh, they're not like famous, they're not making tons of money, uh, and they're suffering. And um, and you're you know a lot of people like this. Tell our audience a little bit about your what you think about about them and what they're going through, and 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 what we should do to try to help them. For every one
1: NFL player that plays for three years, there's 100 or 200 or more that went through the whole pro plan to get there or spent a little time there, but never enough to get vested to where you have the tremendous benefits of being a five-year or three-year vested player in the NFL. Um, My experience has been with the people that did not uh, get to, to that three to five year vested deal, and uh, and I've talked to some that he he have, uh, and they don't trust the, the and the settlement of the NFL with the players on on some of this stuff that occurred a few years ago. Um, they don't really trust the uh, the uh, NFL's doctors because <laughs> they just think they're going to guide them away from any future stuff. So here's my message after talking to these fellows is. I want to get the attention of the the colleges. I want to get the attention of the high schools. I want to get the attention of the NFL. And um, uh, because of what I've talked to on these guys, of what I've researched, if we don't do this, if this is not paid more attention to, then why would a mother let their kid play football, right? Right. So if you love football, and as a nation, we love football, and we cherish our combat veterans, then that's my message is, listen to what we're saying. Nature has produced this incredible mineral, and let's harness how we can use it. And for the fellas that can't wait or don't want to wait two or three or four years, go and tr- you got nothing to lose and everything to gain by taking one or two or three pills a day of uh, lithium orate Now that's, I, I don't know if I can really say that because I'm not a professional, but that you just asked me a question yeah. as a parent and somebody who loves uh, uh, all of these guys very much. That's what I would say.
0: Yeah. Well, well, thanks, Jim. I I appreciate that. And I'd say I I fully agree with you. Uh, And we could go on and on about this, but let's put this out there to the world and see what kind of reaction we get.
1: Do what it is and see if if we have to do another one to do it again. Do it again. And we'll we'll learn something from it. Okay. Right. Excellent. Thank you. Jim. Thanks for joining me. Have a good weekend. Take Take care.
0: Thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope you liked it and we'll catch you next time.